Hello, humans. Thank you for listening to episode number nine of the Fans First podcast. I appreciate your time and attention. My name is Scott Bertie, and this show is dedicated to featuring leaders in business, sports, and media who started out as fans first. We talk to award-winning entrepreneurs, professional athletes, high performers in business, and expert marketers in digital or social media about their life, along with the habits, tactics, and strategies that help guide them to where they are now. This episode features James Rankin, who's a blazing young entrepreneur from my hometown of Ottawa, Canada. James is a serial entrepreneur who started his first company, RM Lawn Care, at the age of just 16 years old, and he later went on to sell that company. Since then, he has gone on to start two more companies, North Brew Coffee, which sells fair trade organic coffee, and Smiley Bars, selling simple ingredient, nutritious health bars. He has been featured as a guest on various podcasts, news segments, and as I understand it, even magazines, Um, and most recently actually started speaking at schools and universities as a motivational speaker, uh, including Algonquin College, my alma mater, uh, University of Ottawa, and the University of Toronto. James grew up with a passion for charity and making a difference in the world, which is why a part of every purchase from North Brew and Smiley Bars goes towards local homeless shelters and food pantries. He believes that entrepreneurship should not just be about making money, but is also about serving a greater purpose in the world. For any young people that are out there with an idea and I say young people but really young old wherever you are however old you are I'd be shocked that if you're not leaving this podcast inspired by the action and passion that James shows in this episode well then you're probably not going to take action on that idea anyway but the commitments that he made and the risks that he took very early on in both RM Lawn Care and North Brew really speak to why he's been so successful at such a young age. Uh, I would say he's far from content with that current success, uh, although he's starting to spin that even to more and more uh, types of revenue streams and opportunities for himself, speaking being one of them, and I know he's recently started a YouTube channel as well. But I'd say that where he's at right now, there is so many more success stories left to come throughout his entrepreneurial journey. So I really appreciate you for taking the time while you were in Toronto to sit down with me, James. And here it is, episode number nine of the Fans First podcast with my buddy, James Rankin. All right, so we're sitting in here uh, Monday morning podcast first time ever at 9 a.m on a monday morning i never thought i'd be doing this to be quite honest but i'm sitting here with my friend james rankin who's coming from ottawa um, due to the fact that he's got a couple exciting things going on in toronto yes. some that he will speak to some that are a little bit stealth mode right now <laughs> so we'll, we'll probably have to stay away from those but um thanks for coming on james of course it's a pleasure i'm very excited oh yeah and i'm excited to have you because you are a lifelong entrepreneur that is for sure um can, can i ask just for the listeners, how old you are? Uh, so I just turned 20, September 20th, so just last month. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Well, I'm happy belated, dude. <laughs> Thank you. But um, yeah, I, I need no introduction in terms of how young you've kind of come into your entrepreneurial stride. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to kind of talk through some of that story and what led you to be there. But typically, I start this podcast off in like the same type of way, same type of question for most guests, because it is the fans first podcast. Mm-hmm. So how and when? did your time as a fan begin? And that could be, you know, in your case, I know certainly a fan of entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. would probably be one of those things, but whatever else you've seen is a really key interest for yourself growing up. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I grew up actually playing sports. Hockey and baseball were like my passion growing up. Um, So I kind of looked up to more people on the Blue Jays and even the Ottawa Senators, Toronto Maple Leafs, um, probably just looking up to them, seeing what they do, seeing their passion in the stuff that they like to do. Um, And then even with entrepreneurship as well, looking up to like big entrepreneurs, people that are running companies at a young age. I was probably doing this at 16. Um, So that was when I kind of became a fan. Um, And then just looking more into what they're doing, seeing what they're interested in um, and just aspiring to be like them. It's really, truly inspirational, especially at a young age, looking up to people um, that are excelling in something that they're passionate about um that's that's really what i like to do so yeah and and you do that in fact inspiring others is something that you are here in toronto to do and mm-hmm. we'll speak to that soon but you mentioned the fact that you listen to some people like entrepreneurs and you'd also kind of pay attention to maybe what athletes were doing on and off the mm-hmm. ice or on the field 
can you speak to maybe some of those people that you did look up to at that time as like an aspiring young entrepreneur mm -hmm. or even just like when the athletic athletics career um, as you were getting that going, but more so on the entrepreneurial side, just thinking about how as somebody who's only just turned 20 now mm -hmm. at 16 or 15, even 14, like earlier ages, you had access to resources like YouTube mm -hmm. and things like that. That's where it's like, thing, yeah, yeah, like going back to when I was maybe that age at mm -hmm. 16, like, I don't even know if YouTube was a thing at that point, but it was just getting started, but mm -hmm. like so much resources out there. So what were you keying on? For me, it, the biggest thing was um, like the player, like you said, on and off the field. Um, one of my favorite baseball players was Derek Jeter, seeing how good he was and how much passion he had when he was on the field. Also seeing um, he's a really good guy off the field, always doing donations, um, always being involved in the community, whether it was um, volunteering or actually just being a part of something um, investment-wise or just seeing like the passion and real side of people off their field, like kind of it, not in their element of what their profession is, but kind of seeing yeah. different sides about them. Um, that's what I really enjoyed. And with the entrepreneurs, um, just seeing their passion and what they do, um, how they do it, how they execute it, um, running teams. And just, I find it all very interesting, especially the entrepreneur side, the real estate, um, like Grant Cardone, uh, Gary Vee, ton of passion. I love looking up to these guys and just seeing what they're doing um, and then applying it to something that I would be able to do because now I'm running a team. Um, not, a, not a large team, but we still have a team of five people that I can kind of apply the stuff that I see on either YouTube or social media um, and just kind of just kind of learn, you know, you kind of take like little things here and there, um, then applying it to my real life. So, hmm. yeah, yeah. When you talk about applying some of those principles, the strategies, tactics, like even just some of the mentalities, mm -hmm. I think that those entrepreneurs live by. Do you, is that something where you're trying to take that with a grain of salt, like almost more so as perspective or as like straight learning lessons that you're implementing? Like, how do you decide on what maybe not to implement? Like, mm -hmm. cause everybody's watching Gary Vee yep. these days. I yep. mean, a lot of people are, I think some of them get a little bit, um, let's just say pushed away mm -hmm. because of like the intent that he's always yep. coming with and that he's always got something to recommend, but mm -hmm. he's not always talking about the how to, right? Yep. Like when you're implementing. Yep. So how do you decide out of all of those pieces of advice, mm -hmm. where do you implement and what do you think about when it comes to like, well, maybe that's not something that fits in my business. Yeah, of course. Uh, I know exactly what you mean. Um, when I'm looking at uh, Gary Vee, I like the inspirational side of that, but I kind of pick and choose from different people that I'm looking up to, kind of different, um, just kind of... Uh, Almost would, like as mentors. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't take everything that they're applying. I, I really do enjoy when they uh, mention their mistakes or stuff that they've already been through and how, what they would change. Um, mm. To me, since I'm so young, like I was 18 years old when I started the coffee company, um, North Brew Coffee. So um, just being able to apply um, problems that they've already experienced and then they mention how, what they would change or how they um, came about fixing the problem, applying that to actually stuff that I'm dealing with at the current moment is like the best thing. And it's free resource on YouTube. So um, honestly, like just looking up to different entrepreneurs, always being up to date with what's going on in, um, in the world, um, I think really helped me within the first stages of my business as well. Like just uh, small business entrepreneurs on YouTube, making videos, content, always applying stuff that I'm dealing with at the current moment. I find it very interesting. So hmm. very smart. I'm sure a lot of people can take and apply those types of strategies. Uh, you talk about your time, you know, with the coffee company. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that in a second, but I think there's one other stint, um, which was kind of like your first real stint yep. as an entrepreneur. Can you take people through what that business was and yeah, like how sure. it all kind of came to be from mm -hmm. a very humble beginning? Yeah, so uh, when I was 16 years old, I was working full-time at a farm in Ottawa, um, doing lawn care, doing hedge trimming, um, whippersnipping, everything in between. Um, and I was, I didn't really enjoy it. I, Obviously, I had to do it because I was getting paid, but um, I didn't enjoy it working for someone else. I really enjoyed the people that I was working with. I just wanted to do it on my own because I was like, man, I'm really getting good at this. And people are always saying like, oh, you're really doing well. Um, so I kind of just took the skills that I was learning. And I, my dad was always an entrepreneur. So um, I kind of looked up to him in the sense where, OK, my dad's doing his own business. I think that I would be able to apply this to my own life take the skills that I already have and actually move it um, into something that I can do on my own. So um, that was when I was 16 years old. I decided to quit my full-time job over the summer. I was still in high school at the time. Um, so started a lawn care business called RM Lawn Care. Um, yeah, so that was like the coolest experience of my life. Just being 16 years old, I uh, did like literally from the start, uh, being like, I learned everything from being an entrepreneur. So went on Microsoft Word, made like a little... Um, 
let's say like a worksheet of all the stuff that we offer, all of our services. And then I just dropped it off to all my friends, family, along with like 15 extra copies for each person to just like pass around to all word their friends mouth, and family. Baby. Exactly. And especially when you're first starting a company, word of mouth is like the strongest thing in my opinion, because it's like, they already know the person that is recommending you in some cases. Um, so I think word of mouth is the strongest point of um, perception, the first business that you do. Um, so did that company, RM Lawn Care, did it for two years, um, part-time while in high school, also working other jobs here and there, um, just to save money aside. I always wanted to buy a car, always wanted to buy things, just lifestyle expenses. Um, and then I moved into college when I was 18 years old. Um, I moved into the residence with my roommate, Elliot, and we went on strike at the time. Um, it was the Algonquin College strike. Um, so the Ontario colleges went on strike for eight weeks and we had no school for eight weeks. So, and I was living on residence, so we didn't, we had nothing to do. Um, there's no schoolwork, no homework, no assignments, nothing. So I was like, man, you know, we may as well try and capitalize off this because right now we're just broke college students. We have nothing, we have no schedule, no plans, nothing. So instead of sitting around playing video games, we decided to sit down um, and really think about how we can capitalize off this strike that we're going through right now. Um, and at the time I was working part-time at a gym, but I took a break and just worked on the uh, company full-time. So we did probably around 12 to 15 lawns every three days. Um, and we were doing them at 50 bucks a piece. So we were going around doing hedge trimming, lawn care. There was always additional services, but the main cut was $50. So it was like a minimum. If we were going to the house, we were getting a minimum of $50. Um, so just seeing that and being able to um, ask our customers like, oh, what do you think? And they're giving us amazing feedback and asking them for referrals. And it just kind of grew from there. Um, and then ended up probably like three weeks in, I would say we were doing around 20 lawns every two days. And it was like crazy because it was just me and my roommate Elliot at the time. Um, and we're like, man, this is getting like really intense. Like we have to start um, asking our friends for help for to leave our equipment at their house. Like we had no place to put all of our stuff, but we had lawnmowers, hedge trimmers, whippersnippers. <laughs> we had everything, right? It's a logistical nightmare. Yeah. So, and especially when you're living on residence, like we didn't have, yeah. we can't put it in our room, right? And it actually it came to the point where the security at the res was like telling us like, you guys can't bring this up, stuff up here because at one <laughs> point we had nothing to do. So um, can't fit everything in my car, but um, so yeah, we, uh, at the same time, my roommate Elliot was also helping me work on a product that I would be able to sell. Cause one thing that I realized, um, with a service business is when I'm the one doing the service, if I'm not like, I have to go and actually physically cut the lawn or do the hedge trimming or gutter cleaning. Um, and I didn't enjoy it. I really, I really have passion with everything that I do. And if I don't like something, um, I won't, I won't necessarily do the best job at it just because I don't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so I always like doing something that I'm passionate about and really enjoy. Um, so yeah, we were always thinking about a product that I wanted to do. Um, and I didn't actually drink coffee before I started selling it, which is like a crazy thing that I always tell all my friends. But um, yeah, we thought of the coffee company. He's like, everyone drinks coffee. Um, this is a product that I was studying business marketing and management. Um, so I already knew kind of the marketing side and how to manage teams. Um, so that was something that I was really passionate about and he knew the product that we were going to sell. So I was like, man, let's do this. Like I was so in, so stopped the lawn care like that day, held it for probably three, four weeks, thought of the name, the business, the logos, everything thought of the product. Um, and then we put it all together and that's how we came up with North Brew Coffee. It's like a crazy story. In my opinion, um, we were just in that residence room working probably every day for 10 to 12 hours. Just like we we're so passionate about it and we saw the potential and what can happen. Um, and the coffee industry is a huge, huge, huge industry, very competitive. So me coming in at such a young age with one roommate who's helping me out on the side was very, very hard. But once I have my mind to something, like I have to do it. If I'm, if I have passionate about it and I know that I'm going to, if I see any potential whatsoever, then I'm in hundred percent. So saw it as a crazy opportunity. Um, I was working part-time actually at a retail store at the time where my coffee's held now. And I called the boss, my boss, and I'm like, listen, I have a company coming out soon. I would love to sit down with you. This is like 7:30 at night. And he's like, oh, I'd love to. How does tomorrow sound? And we didn't have anything prepared. I was so scared, right? I just kind of, I was thinking like, oh yeah, two, three weeks. He's a busy guy. So he's like, yeah, tomorrow. I remember me and Elliot were like scared. I was like, man, this is insane. But we stayed up until I think 2.30 or 3 in the morning just making that presentation. Because I was like, we are going to drill this. Like I know if he sees this and is impressed with me, he'll carry the product in the store. And we ended up staying up so late that night working on everything 
all the products, um, the pricing, how we're going to distribute it. Did you even have packaging at this point? We didn't. We didn't actually have packaging. I didn't, you know, it's funny. Actually, that first meeting that I had, I didn't even have a coffee bag. I just had an idea, strictly off my idea. And I sat down with him and he's like, this is a really cool idea. I don't know too much about the coffee industry, but I can tell that you're very passionate about it. And that's for me. I'm like, okay, this is good. Because if I I know if I'm passionate for something, I'm going to go all in and I can... I'll yeah. figure it out. You know, it's just like I have something to work with. I'm just going to go for it. If it doesn't work, who cares? But um, yeah, it was like crazy. I mean, yeah, let's let's hold on there because you covered a lot and I want to bounce back to a couple of things for anybody mm-hmm. who's listening. And, you know, there's a lot of people who think about starting businesses. I think there's only a handful that really end up executing. And that's more of a principle, I think, of like planning versus execution rather than you being an entrepreneur, you not like, I don't know. A lot of people have different definitions for entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur. T- to me, I really don't only think it's a difference of having an ownership mentality mm-hmm. and having an employee mentality. Those are just two different things. And you can tell even when you have a great employee that has an ownership mentality, but let's go back because you were in a dorm room and you kind of spoke about this, like you just moved past it and brushed it off. But how a lot of other kids were playing video games. Mm -hmm. And now in a day and age where video games can also lead to a six-figure salary overnight. I've seen it happen. Actually, one of my best friends that I lived with in residence, Mateo, he's famous on Fortnite right now. Like he owns an esport organization and it's going crazy. I just sat down with him two weeks ago and it's going very successful. I'm really excited for him. Like almost, I think, 260,000 Instagram followers. Um, YouTube's going insane. Like one of their players has a million. So I'm super excited. I've seen it happen with the gaming. I know that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you guys, because at that time, was that your first year? That was my first year. Yeah. Yeah. And so many, I mean, I know what it was like in my first year of college. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even staying in a dorm, but I think had I been staying in a dorm, Mm -hmm. full transparency, I just wasn't at the level of like execution or work ethic that I am now and Mm -hmm. even have been. But had I been in that state, I would have spent two, three weeks straight with my friends. Yep. I don't know, kicking it around like the college and yep. just doing different stuff, <laughs> maybe having some beers. Yep. What led you guys to just have this nature about you where you were like, well, we're not going to be doing anything anyways. We're mm-hmm. just going to be here, broke students. I'm sure you saw everybody else around you kind of just going about their time and maybe did, spending yeah. it poorly mm-hmm. um, you know, in comparison to what you yeah. were doing. For me, it's all about balance. Like we did end up having some beers and having some fun, but... Um, I kind of had most of my friends that saw my vision and they already saw how successful the lawn care was happening. Um, and I would always send them photos and they were just getting excited. Like, man, this is really cool that you're doing this at in while we're doing nothing. So um, for me, it's balance. I just got everybody together and I would kind of get it together. So everyone's at my dorm room, but we're all working on it. There's still like, we're still having fun, but we're all working towards one vision of me getting this done because I really, really want to do it. And I think that they can see like my determination and how I want to do this and how I want to execute it. Um, and I think they all really saw the opportunity in me as well. I had like four solid friends that really helped me out within the start of my company. Mm. Um, and one of my best friends, Pharrell, he's actually the videographer and photographer. He was in from the start. Like pro- I, I think I told him about this idea. The first day I found out, I called him. I was like, man, I'm doing this. Like, this is insane. He's like, any photos and videos, like, just let me know. I got you. And like for that, for me, like marketing and everything, like all the marketing material on our Instagram, Facebook website has all been done by him. So him Mm. being able to help me out right from the start when we didn't even have any sales at all is like unbelievable. And that's why I'm so thankful for him. It's like, he really helped me out from the start. And coming into that point where you were basically gaining all this free help, like how, how did that end up resulting in maybe further friendships or business partners and things like that down the line? Like are those, you, you mentioned the one person who's yep. still working with you directly, yep. like are some of those other people still aligned with it? Have they gone off to do entrepreneurial things? Like wh- where are they at now in their lives? Cause that's, that's extremely impressive. Not mm-hmm. only were you not sitting there doing nothing, you literally leveraged <laughs> five or six people yep. around you to help you yeah, for it's free. Yeah, community. yeah, yeah it's all about community. It's all about community. So I kind of brought everybody. Exactly, yeah. So I brought everyone together. Um, and one the my roommate, Elliot, he really drove me to start this business because he was always into entrepreneurship and real estate. Um, and so what he's doing right now, he was studying construction at the time. So he's in Montreal right now building custom homes for working for a bigger company. Mm. Um, but I always, we're always in contact probably like two or three times a day. Cause he really like, he start, he helped me start this. Like 
I would not have this company if it weren't for him. So always thankful for that. Um, and I always give him the option as well. If he wants to come back to Ottawa and work with me, I'm in it 100%. Um, but uh, for Montreal, he's looking to actually start up his own construction thing probably within three to five years. You need a lot of capital yeah, to start no construction and yeah. especially custom home building. Um, he sends me some of the photos and I'm like, this is insane. Like He's like 22, I think. So, But he's doing what he likes and that's that's totally okay. He's more of the real estate side as well. So I'm definitely going to hit him up in the future when I get into that oh, industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got to keep him on the side. So These are good, nice connections to have mm-hmm. though. You, you could tell like early on you kind of found that tribe and like you yep. knew who you wanted to be mm-hmm. and you started surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Yeah. Which you got to pick your team. Yeah. That's, what, that's exactly like sports or anything. If there's only one person on the court, it's not going to be as productive as there are five people playing on the court especially in the coffee industry, even if you're in any type of industry, if it's only a one man show, you're not going to be as productive as you are with five people on the, on your team. So that's what I kind of got. I told everybody about the vision. They, they really did see my passion. I know I always say that, but they saw my determination and my work ethic. And I think they got a little bit inspired and also uh, moved by it. They're like, oh, okay, let's build this together and let's really work on this. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so you kind of moved on, you built up that company to a point where it was moving, it was quite successful, that mm-hmm. lawn care company. Yeah. And you, you spoke about the t- point when you pivoted to the coffee business. Mm-hmm. It, I think there was a lesson, this is what we first spoke about when I initially met you in person at a, at a coffee shop, ironically, but um, I think you spoke about your dad teaching you kind of an important lesson mm-hmm. while you were working for that lawn care company. Yep. Um, and that really carried over eventually to the, the coffee business. Mm-hmm. And that was really like investing in the business. And you yep. spoke about you, if you're really passionate about something, if you have that vision, mm-hmm. like you're going to go full tilt 100%. Is that kind of something that came full circle as a skill and the way you do things once he kind of gave you that key lesson of like, hey, if something's working and you really want to devote what mm-hmm. you're doing towards that, like invest in it, put everything you have towards making that big and mm-hmm. building it, right? I was always seeing him put in a lot of hours at his work. So seeing him do 10 to 12 hour days with construction or snow removal or anything, just seeing that and seeing the work ethic that he's in, it's kind of, it's in me, you know? So I just got inspired by that and seeing that, um, like the growth and also everything that comes with working hard. Like I'm, I'm really passionate and truly believe that the more work you put in, the more you get out of it. So Mm -hmm. just that's, that's my mindset right now, especially even the long days that I'm having right now working on this full time. I know that one day it'll all be worth it. And even starting now, like, I'm getting opportunities that are so like this time last year, I would have never thought that I would even be in this position right now, even doing this podcast or speaking at crazy different events or venues, or I would have never, ever, ever imagined, especially being in that dorm room two years ago, almost two years ago today, actually, um, was, uh, I would have never thought that I'd be in the position that I am now. So nice, nice. And just, just to go back on that point quickly, like, did he teach you to invest in your business or was that something that you kind of learned from somebody else? I feel like there was a point where like you really kind of began to double down and maybe that was the coffee business. Mm -hmm. Like after that point where you kind of took everything out of that existing business that you had, like, I don't know if you sold it off or whatever. And then you like whatever you had at that point, it wasn't like you kind of diversified and, you know, like bought up, bought a home Mm -hmm. at that point in time and like spent your cash on liquid Mm -hmm. assets and stuff like that. You put it right back into the coffee business. Exactly. So when I sold all the equipment and everything with the lawn care, I really put it in to the coffee, like almost, I would say 80%, 85%, everything in there. I still had some expenses that I needed to pay off my car um, and a few other things. But um, seeing my dad actually with his, he was starting a roof roof link business. So it was basically, they would fly drones over your house, scan the roof, um, and basically give you quotes from different Um, roofing companies around town. So seeing that and seeing the investments that he put in for the outfit that was going to come out um, and seeing the growth that came from all the marketing and getting a team and getting people, partners. um, I wasn't doing that when I first started. Everyone was kind of working for free for two months, I would say. Um, So me actually putting in an investment saying, okay, we are all going to work together, actually spending money on marketing, social media ads, uh, product development, like anything that you can think of me actually like kind of bossing up and putting the money out there, the return on investment with that was the biggest growth that I've ever seen. Cause I was pretty cheap when I first started, I wasn't Mm -hmm. used to a product business, right? I didn't know I was from lawn care. So doing the service, all you have to do is just show up. 
with the product. If no one knows what your product is, you're not going to get any sales, especially with our Shopify store. If we're not doing paid ads on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, we're not going to be getting any traction. So, yeah, I think a lot of young entrepreneurs, it's difficult to want to invest, you know, potentially almost everything you have mm -hmm. into that business. And there's some businesses, you know, we live in a day and age where venture capital is growing yep. and outside funding. There's a lot of sources. However, for a coffee business or any sort of like brick and mortar, you know, the more traditional types of businesses, not necessarily like SaaS or technology mm -hmm. companies and things of that nature, it's harder to get that outside investment yep. and especially upfront. Like mm -hmm. you can't, there's really no way of getting outside money, even if that's a loan from a bank before mm -hmm. you have the proven records of revenue, yep. your cash flows, the profits, mm -hmm. you know, your margins. Coffee as an industry, one of the things that is attractive is the margins, right? Mm -hmm. Is that one of the things that kind of yeah, led you to so, yeah. pursue it a little yeah. bit? Was there anything else? I know you did some research initially in the dorm room that you looked at specifically to figure out what was a viable business and a product to start selling? Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was what was most attracting about coffee is uh, it's with probably any product really, but I was able to convince the consumer really well. So convince the customer to purchase our products. Like when you're going to buy sneakers, a bunch of my friends love sneakers. It's the difference between buying a Nike sneaker or an Adidas sneaker. It's all about the way that they market and brand the product. So being able, thinking of our social cause and the way that we're going to brand our product as premium fair trade organic coffee there are some coffee nuts out there. Like people are so invested into their coffee and they really care about the coffee that they're drinking. Some people, oh, I'm going to go to a random coffee shop. Other people, oh, I want the best one grown on the side of a volcano. Like there are different types of coffee drinkers out there. So we need to figure out who our end consumer is. We mm -hmm. need to target our that audience. Buyer persona. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think that's what was most attractive about a product business. In my opinion, I really knew how to market the product and make it seem like it is the coolest thing out there. So, Hmm, I like that. Um, now, you, t you spoke a little bit about word of mouth marketing as you mm -hmm. launch a business. I actually pulled up some stats like Nielsen reports still says that 92% of consumers believe suggestion from friends and family more than advertising. So it's no doubt that word of mouth is mm -hmm. probably the king of marketing. I don't yep. even think just when you're launching, I think in general, yep. um, if you can attain word of mouth over the course of your business life. It's the best thing. Yeah, it's just the best thing for mm -hmm. you. Um, ironically, it's one of the things that we've tried to do with TrueFan mm -hmm. is slowly push word of mouth from the streets to social media yep. and relying on that audience. Um, now, that's something that worked for you, but then you touched on the idea of ads. Mm -hmm. So initially, this business was more so of like an e-com business, correct? Yeah. So for the first four months of our business, we were all online, no retail stores at all. Um, no grocery stores, no coffee shops, um, no, no actual corporate contracts at all. We only had our online store. We were doing word of mouth. All my friends and family were very, very supportive when I first started. Um, and that's like my first real company. The lawn care was really cool, but this is a product where you can order it in Hawaii. And we have people ordering like in Hawaii. It's crazy to me. Like I look on the stats and I'm like, holy crap. Like, how do they even know? Um, that's awesome. So, and it all turns out that it's like my grandma's friend's aunt. And it's like, wow, this is like unreal. So the word of mouth for me is uh, like the biggest thing. Like I always try and pass messages along to friends and family that just like, hey, like let people know if you know anybody that would be able to carry our product or even just try it out. Like just, just see, see what can happen. There's no all, pressure. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to have a conversation. hundred percent. And if you never ask, you never mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's kind of talk about that transition a little bit because it's, it's I, I would say, arguably the easiest business to start nowadays is an e-com, mm -hmm. like especially drop shipping. We can talk about merch and stuff yeah. like that. This is a little bit trickier given yep. the fact that you had to pay for the product. Like mm -hmm. in order to have access to selling this product, you needed to have some sort of inventory. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't as easy as the drop shipping startup. But what really led you into pursuing more of that wholesale distribution where you're selling to storefronts as, as kind of that, you know, multi-channel uh, indirect form mm -hmm. of sales and realizing that there was some tremendous potential there. I know you had, yeah. you kind of spoke on it earlier where you made that first presentation to a store owner or somebody who was managing one of the stores um, that you were working for at that time, part-time. Yep. It was it that first contract, which eventually turned into something that led you to um, see the potential or did you know from the get go that you were always going to position it like that at a certain point? So I actually have a really cool story to tell you. I went to a business, um, 
actually not a business networking event, sorry. It was a conference out in New York that I went to and I didn't have any retail contracts at the time, but I brought coffee and I brought my suit. So I was ready to go. Nice. And, uh, it was crazy because the company wasn't even that big at the time. We probably had around 500 followers on Instagram. There's a little bit of buzz in Ottawa, um, in Toronto, but no, no footprint in the U S at all. So just walked into three different coffee, sh coffee shops in Brooklyn, New York, and I kind of pitched the product. I'm very, I love doing sales. I love doing sales meetings and just pitching to different people, um, different industries. And I went into this one coffee shop and I sat down with the owner. I already had the meeting set up two weeks before I got there. Um, said, Hey, I'm from Ottawa. I'm coming into New York for a, um, a conference and I'd love to sit down with you and just tell you about my product. So I sat down with him. This I was 18 years old at the time. So I was like, it's crazy to me, but I uh, sat down with the owner, told him all about the product and he, so gave him the whole pitch, premium fair trade, organic coffee. We're trying to make a difference in our community. Um, and we're also donating a dollar from every bag that we sell to local homeless shelters. So he loved that. That was like the biggest thing for him. He's like, I don't care about the product that I'm ordering. Like if you're doing something that's making a local impact. So we actually ended up negotiating a deal where we're donating to local homeless shelters in New York now. Oh, awesome. So he really enjoyed that. And they're still ordering to this day. This is like a year and a half in. So like just having that contract and going in, I was so nervous. I remember it, but um, sitting down with him and just kind of pitching him the product. And he was like my first U.S. contract. So my first contract ever was actually in New York. I didn't even have it in any stores in Canada yet. Um, wow. So and then when I went back to Ottawa, I approached all the grocery stores Um Another thing that really helped me out when I first started, um, which I could probably get into a little bit uh, later, but um, every place that I used to work at growing up, so either um, farms or um, grocery stores or people that I grew up with or worked with, got me into a lot of the contracts that I'm in right now. So mm -hmm. Terra 20, I used to work there. Um, Foodsmiths in Perth, my best friend's girlfriend's mom owns it. So it's just like crazy things like that. So um, all word of mouth and all people that I really know um, and then we're in coffee shops in New York and just like all of our wholesale contracts. We're also doing um, like business uh, coffee. So subscription service. If businesses drink coffee and want fair trade organic coffee with donation, you can write it off. Um, we deliver it every two, four, six, eight weeks, whatever they want. So very smart. Yeah. yeah. Slowly realizing that like there are those little slivers of opportunity out there. That Huge you can opportunity turn into, in retail. Yeah. Like yeah. A, a pillar of the business. Mm -hmm. Um well, there's a couple of directions I could go in that you spoke on there. Like one is the social component of it. Uh, I know that was something that you started initially to benefit. It was the, like a local charity in Ottawa. Yep. It was the Ottawa, Ottawa mission, yes. correct? Which is awesome. Um, anybody who's listening from Ottawa, because we both have a ton of connections out there, will always recognize the mission. Um, did Was there an extra reason why you added that social component early on? You touched on the fact that it, the play that it has on marketing. Mm. It, did that... Did you see that as a way that really started to uh, I push the brand into the market? So I didn't or? start it for the marketing purpose. I, ever since I've been probably six years yeah. old, I've always been donating into bigger causes. Um, Parkinson's it, was a huge thing for me when I was growing up in elementary school doing fundraisers. Um, at one point, I was I think I was eight years old and I gave my whole bank, like my whole savings to the my one of my best friends at the time his mom had Parkinson's. So she came into our elementary school and seeing like it kind of hit home to the point because we were on the same baseball team. So seeing that and seeing his mom go through that disease, um, it really hit home. So I was like, all right, I'm going to really donate and help out and try and see what can happen from this. Um, so I've always been donating to causes growing up and that's just kind of how I was brought up with my mom and dad. But, um, yeah, with the Ottawa mission, just seeing how many homeless people are in our, the nation's capital, um, and donating to those causes that are actually helping out, providing a place to stay, a place to eat, um, was a huge thing for me. And then that's when we thought of coffee driving change because we can make an everyday cup of coffee make a difference in someone else's life that you don't even know. So Yeah, I could see it when you speak about it. And it actually, when you were talking about Derek Jeter earlier, it made me think about that whole component. And then like you speaking about how you were brought up and childhood and stuff like that. It's really neat. It almost now, to me, um, as I hear about the relationships that have been such a key driver in your business, the social component, the why as to that, it's like, you know, this coffee business has become a reflection of you, mm -hmm. which is really neat. Um, it just speaks to how your passion has really driven the growth of the company. Mm -hmm. Can you like see that? Like, outside yeah, I can't. Yeah. Now, it's kind a of lot neat. of people see that as well. Like they're like, you're so passionate about what you do. And I love it. I really, enjoy, this is like the coolest experience of my life right now. These yeah. last probably, 
I've been working on it full time for let's say nine months. And these are like the most fun, fun times I've ever had in my life. People are like, oh, I'm looking forward to the future. But for me right now, like this is like the coolest time. I'm always doing new things um, and I love what I do. So I just have so much passion on entrepreneurship and business in general. I think no matter what I'm doing in the business world, whether it's coffee or a new company that I'm going to be launching November 15th or even real estate or any type of thing, I think as long as I really enjoy what I'm doing, then I'll, I think I'll always be good. So. You kind of remind me of like a young Brian Skidmore. Do you know who that guy is? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah the yeah. founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Like just the passion that you're speaking with, obviously the way you got started, given the fact that you like you had a little trailer um, doing the lawn care and yep. stuff like that. It, it, you're going to be an awesome Canadian entrepreneur story. Yeah, no, my pleasure, man. It's been great getting to know you. And you spoke about, well, let's go back a little bit. Mm -hmm. You had that job where you worked full time through starting your coffee business. Yep. And even during the lawn care opponent, mm -hmm. you were working full time for a period on that as well. But how long did you maintain that full time job? Um, I believe it was like the past May. Yeah, it was almost up to a year that I worked full time. So I dropped out of college um, right after the strike because I was like, I'm going to jump right into this. Um, parents were cool with it. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want to just like not go anywhere with the company. I needed money to fund it because at the same time, I did sell a bunch of stuff from the lawn care company, but I still wanted that every week or two week cash flow. We we're getting paid weekly there. So I really enjoyed it. Um, so I would work full time. The position that I was in was an assistant general manager. So I was working two to 10 every night. So I would try and manage it with the hustle of working in the morning from let's say 6 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. And then I would rush over to work and work from two to 10. Um, and I had an office and everything, so it was really cool. And I was kind of able to manage a little bit of both at the same time. Um, but it got to the point where it was, I didn't enjoy it as much as I used to. I kind of got sucked in with like the hourly wage. I was used to getting paid around 14, 15, and this was like time and a half plus more. So I was like, yes, I'm going to do that. Um, Cause I was able to, we were getting paid weekly. So as soon as I would get that paycheck, I would put in like 300 to 400, 500 bucks into the coffee company and then keep the rest. So we were getting every single week, I was able to pump more money in, more money in, more money in, and having people help me out at the same time. Um, they were kind of driving the boat more than I was at one point because I was so, I was working like probably, I would say 45 to 50 hours a week. Like that's a lot of, or sorry, 45. On the, on the part of like the, the business side. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's work overload and quality of life and everything. Right. So mm -hmm. I, it wasn't really as fun for me anymore. So as soon as I started um, getting probably the same amount of money, if not more, I was like, all right, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to jump in full time and just see where it goes because I didn't end up running it completely full time. Like my schedule is completely open and I can work on this from Monday to Friday, Monday to Sunday um, until I would say six, seven months ago. So for that, for me, it was like completely different. Like the whole business changed that I was able to really devote and put everything that I've ever wanted to do into one company it was like it completely changed in 360 reverse like our sales shot up our marketing shot up um social medias uh retail contracts we just ended up getting two more sales guys so having those people um really push out and get our name and word out of like into the city and other contracts as well montreal quebec toronto like trying to get our name out there as well like it's really 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 um, like leveling us up in the business. So, yeah, it's no surprise to me that like when you finally committed everything you had to mm -hmm. the business and, and were able to focus all of your time yeah. and energy on it, that it, it started to see you know, outstanding growth, mm -hmm. especially considering like we just talked about, you are the reflection of this business. Yeah. So kind of giving that James back to mm -hmm. the exactly. North Brew Coffee, yeah. people really start to put those two and two together and it's your relationships that are really starting to drive the growth of the business mm -hmm. forward. Um, so clearly that's paid off in spades for you. And now you've hired two new salespeople, just like you said, so you're growing, but it sounded like initially you were kind of piecemealing some of that hiring. Like you weren't taking money out of the business. Instead, while you were working, you were putting money into the business, exactly. which is super impressive. You would have been like 18, 19 at that time. Yeah, 18. Yeah. I would say 18, 19. I just turned 19. Um, and I wasn't taking a salary at all from my company. I was literally doing it for free. 
I was just like, we got to, we're in a growth stage right now. It's going really fast. Like it, there was one point where it was growing so rapidly. I wasn't even able to keep up like with all of my meetings and trying to figure out also working full time at the same time. Like this was like yeah. crazy for me. Um, so when I sat back and kind of rearranged everything that I was going through um, and actually organizing it, then I was able to take in the growth at um, or like a responsive rate where I can actually handle and keep up with everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And as the top salesperson for a period of time in the company, mm -hmm. the one who's really pushing that like kind of B2B side forward, yep. how is that feeling for you now that you hand it off to a couple of maybe less seasoned sales guys? They could have some experience, but they're mm -hmm. ultimately jumping into a new environment. So is there a little bit of like paranoia, like worry for you on that front? Um, because just like Early on, when you're a founder, you're sharing your idea to people mm. that you're you, you never know. There's exactly. like always that that's a founder's paranoia. As well, yep. Now it's that kind of the 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 growth step of that, like mm -hmm. the the bigger step, the macro, where you, you've launched the business, you built it up. Now you're actually having to divvy off some of your favorite responsibilities and ones that you felt mm -hmm. you've really done well at over the course of time to yeah. other people that just have less experience. Mm. I found it really exciting doing the sales and I love doing it, but at the same time, so I was figuring out the sales, also managing our team. So social media posts, figuring out what events we're going to be volunteering at in the community, donation side, what if there's any fundraisers or what's going on, product development, product branding. We got so many different things that the owner or because we don't have like a ton of managers or anything under us. We, yeah. It's just me and three other people that were really helping me out. Um, so when I... And I was doing the sales on top of that. So it's like a lot of work and it's like kind of overwhelming because I had to get everything done because if you're not working on your own business as the owner, then people aren't going to be doing the stuff that really needs to get done in order to grow. You got to lead from the front. Exactly. So like I'm at the front of the boat trying to figure everything out, but I still have to call and do sales meetings and go out and send emails and calls and cold call. Like it's, it's a huge, huge process. So when we were able to finally outsource it and have someone that was trained in sales and really able to, they do five hours a day, Monday to Friday. So 25 hours a week. Um, and it's from 9am till 2pm, I believe. Yeah. And what they, so I find that for me personally, I think that it's um, the most productive times of the day to get the sales done from three or two to five. It's, Usually we don't respond or we don't get emails back or anything. Um, so the decision makers, in my opinion, are the best time to reach out to them are between nine and two. Um, and even looking over the numbers with my stepdad recently, I think it was like three days ago, we were looking over and like the work that they've done within the last three weeks or four weeks of us having them is crazy. Like we're, I think there's like four or five new cafes that we've landed um, in Montreal and few other places. And it's like, this is growing and we just got grocery stores, a new one on Wellington. So it's, it's growing and it's great. I love it. It's, I think I should have done it a lot sooner. Um, so that's what I'm definitely going to recommend to any entrepreneurs that are starting up a new company is try and delegate stuff. So you need to find people that are strong, not that I'm weak at sales, but I also have so much other stuff that I need to focus on as the owner and trying to grow the company. Mm -hmm. Yes, sales grows the company, but having somebody else that can really manage that and keep up with leads, keep up with phone calls, follow ups, everything like that is one job in itself. So trying to figure out everything else and book meetings and interviews and everything like that, that's that's really hard. Um, so that's what I recommend for anyone starting a business is really kind of getting your team together and making sure that aces in their places is what I like to call it. So making sure that everyone that's in their position is really good at what they're doing. So let's say in a sports example, this would be um, one person is everyone wants to be good at everything. And that's something that I really struggled with when I first started the company. It's like, I think that I'm good at this, so I'm going to do this, but I want to be good at everything. And that was really hard for me. Um, because I'm not good at everything and that's okay to admit because not everyone is going to be amazing at everything. But let's say in a basketball perspective, if everyone wants to be the LeBron James, not everyone can be LeBron James or Michael Jordan, but you can be Michael Jordan or LeBron James of your position. So you need to be the strength to someone else's weakness. So let's say somebody isn't good at branding, then you can be the strength to their weakness and they'll be doing something that you're not good at. So just making sure that everybody's in their position, like I said before, having five people on the court is way better than having three people versus five. So mm -hmm. just um, like making sure that everybody is good at their position. You can be the strongest person at the position, but 
not everyone's going to be good at everything. And that's something that I really struggled with when I first started the business. Um, also trusting other people with something that I've built up. It's kind of like your baby, right? You don't mm-hmm. want everybody to be, be in, uh, be holding your baby. But, um, yeah, that's something that I struggled with when I first started, but now that everything's kind of working out and we kind of do have a strong set of team that we can, I can really rely on. Like if I'm not there, I know that stuff is getting done. So, and you mentioned that like creating some SOPs, standard operating procedures, that was pretty key for especially the operational side. Mm-hmm. And as you started, cause like you, you invested, you brought the roaster, um, which is like a little warehouse yep. where you have that all going on. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned the hours of the day is like nine to two. The standard operating procedures makes it way less of a headache to yeah, try I would and say implement like, somebody new into that. Wire, for the sales, right? let's say for instance, like there's a whole procedure, something that I worked on at my previous job was systems. So I would mm-hmm. kind of create productive systems to make sure so that important. stuff was getting done. Um, and I, I'm so thankful that I was able to learn that at a young age, um, because that's going to help me out for the rest of my life, making sure that everything is kind of, there's, it's like a pipeline. You always want to make sure that the pipeline, cause if there's any leaks or cracks, not everything's going to go through. Um, so we created systems for the sales. Like you would first send out an email, make sure that you're contacting the right person, then follow up with a call or cold call and then send an email. Um, and then follow up with an email. So there's a whole process to everything that's going on, just making sure that everything's staying productive and we don't lose that contract. Because in my opinion, if they don't know your company and you're approaching them, they might be like, I would say probably 60% of the time they're interested in actually just having a conversation. That's why I always say it's, it never hurts to have a conversation Mm -hmm. because there could be an opportunity down the road. Not even if they don't order now, if they lose their coffee contract within three months, you're going to be the first person that they think of. So that's why I never, never, ever want to lose a lead. Um, I always think of it as a new opportunity that can come up at some point. Very wise way to look at it. That speaks to probably why you've built so many relationships over the course of time is it's not pressure. Um, it's really having that conversation mm-hmm. and seeing where things go into the future. But dude, you're wise beyond your years. It's, it's <laughs> super impressive. And I'm sure it's obvious to anybody who's listening um, when you speak about the hiring over the course of time, you talk about the trust and obviously needing to have that when you are hiring on new people. Mm-hmm. But even before we started this podcast, you were talking about outsourcing and the need to find people that are smarter than you are, yep. right? And one thing that I didn't hear you say earlier, but it made me think of it the way you were talking about hiring on new people to take over responsibilities mm-hmm. that you were once doing yourself is yep. I've often struggled with it in the past. I think that when you do start to hire in areas where you're so conditioned and used to doing something a certain way, even if somebody else doesn't want to do it exactly that way. And I'm not speaking to like the standard operating procedure type stuff. That's cut and dry. Like if it should be being, if it should be done this way and you've noticed that over the period of time, you've documented that, then there's no need to go change that. But like sometimes when it comes to just the way people work and different things, they're going to do stuff differently than Mm -hmm. you. And that's not them doing it wrong. It's just them doing it different. It's the way that they work. Right. That's the way that they work. And I've always, you know, struggled that, especially initially when I hire people, but Mm -hmm. it seems like you've become so comfortable with kind of letting people kind of go off, do their thing, but ultimately managing that environment to make sure that, you know, those people aren't slipping through the cracks Mm -hmm. um, and that everything is getting done by the end of the day with the compliance that you need to have as a food and beverage type company. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to think about from your position. And it seems like now you can kind of do that oversight and Mm -hmm. you can constantly be looking over the business and how it's functioning. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the main things that I focused on was the culture of the company. So making sure that our brand kind of has like everyone knows what our brand stands for, making a difference in our local community, um, more of like a bright and happy company, um, And just making sure that everyone kind of like we match that. So let's say social media, for instance, we lost our social media person um, and we had to get a new one. And the new hire was used to doing, I think, I don't know the company exactly, but it was completely out of our industry and it didn't really match with what we were doing. Um, So just kind of teaching her. Um, showing her different posts that we did, how we did it, um, the captions, everything. Like this is a whole new industry for her. So kind of showing her how to do it um, and then just taking the time to actually um, go in more in depth into what we're doing. Um, Then she kind of caught on and now now we have our social media. We're posting every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. So Um, and it's it's good. It looks really good. And I'll be honest, like if it's not working um, or if it's not what I want it to be, like, I'll be completely honest. I don't kind of want to lead them in the lo- wrong direction. Then just be like, oh, this is completely wrong. Like, I'll just kind of, I'll let them know right away. So then that way they know for next time and how we can improve on it in the future. That way there's, it's kind of like uh, very transparent. Smart, smart. So 
One question that I want to ask you in relation to some very tangible tips and strategies that potentially either aspiring entrepreneurs or former small business owners um, can implement for their next company. You touched on one tip that you have for them, but what are some others for first time small business owners or people aspiring to start their first business? Um, and that could be e-commerce or that could be, you know, a product based business similar mm -hmm. to your own. So for me, the biggest thing would be uh, you need to find something that you're passionate about because like what I was mentioning before, if you aren't, if you don't have any drive for what you're doing, the work really reflects that in my opinion. I can really see if somebody's not passionate in what they're doing, they're just doing it to kind of do it. Um, and so I would say find something that you're passionate about and then figure out how to capitalize on that and make money off of it. Um, I've seen it all the time. Like for instance, my friend Mateo there, um, like he, he enjoyed Fortnite, played it every single day in college, and then he ended up finding a way to capitalize on that. Yeah. And I think that's awesome because he really found something that he enjoys doing and is willing to do for the next three to five, 10 years, let's say if it's a career, um, and turn it into something that's a profitable business. And he ended up creating a team and getting people and now they're going to be doing tournaments and they're getting sponsorships from yeah. huge companies. Like, um, so seeing that is really, really, really cool. Um, but having having passion is by far the biggest thing. Like if I'm doing something that I'm not passionate about, like I said before, I won't be 100% invested into it. I'll still try my hardest, but I won't have that. It's different. I don't know how to really mm -hmm. describe it, but you can really tell if somebody is passionate in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hear that. Is there anything else? Uh, I would. Another one that I always say is organizational skills are a huge thing for me. When I was in college, I wasn't the best at organization. Um, so making sure that you're state organized, um, outsourcing the team, either having close friends. Um, I wouldn't really say family. I don't, I've never really done business with my family before, but, um, just ha making sure that you have a strong set of people on your team. Um, and like I said before, aces in your places. So, um, having everyone that's good at what they do, like you don't want somebody that plays baseball to play soccer. Like, you know, you want something, you want everybody to be in something that they've already experienced in or that they're willing, you can see potential in them because everyone can learn. Um, I hire on attitude. Like that's what I always see. You can really teach and learn mm -hmm. from other people, but if their attitude isn't right, then in my opinion, I don't think it would really work out in the end. So, yeah, I think that goes hand in hand with what I've heard around hiring for a while. His personality, mm -hmm. you know, that's the one thing you can't teach your coach. Um, and certainly attitude plays probably the biggest factor into that personality. It's like if somebody wakes up feeling negative every day, there's just not much you're going to be willing or able to do um, Very as a business owner yeah. <laughs> to change that. It's, that's what they're geared to do. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So the, the last kind of subject that I wanted to cover uh, while I have you on, and it bridges between a few different things, but it is more the marketing side and maybe even as it relates to personal branding a little bit, because I know that's something that you're slowly honing in mm -hmm. on a little bit more. Um, you've been on interviews with some outlets like CTV, I yep. think over the course of time. So like you're not new to media, but you've, you've not put like a tremendous onus on social media and those types of things in the course of your business growth. You saw that B2B side really take and launch that business forward. Um, so now you mentioned you've had the pho photographer, videographer, since the dawn of time and that he's been helping you. Uh, you talked about potentially wanting to start a podcast. You're also now out there speaking. Uh, that's what brought, brought you to Toronto exactly, here. So yeah. you can tell the people a little bit what you're speaking on. But all these things kind of combining, are, are you seeing yourself potentially making a bigger push in the future to share media and different things on your own personal channels? Yeah, so actually my, I was just sitting down with my friend, I think it was last week, last Wednesday, we were sitting down just kind of talking about our plans for the next year. And something that I'm really passionate about doing is actually starting up a YouTube channel, just kind of documenting my life. Because last year I filmed the day in the life of an 18 year or 19 year old entrepreneur. And looking, I just found the hard drive, like probably a, two days before I met with him. And I thought it was like the funniest and coolest video ever because I lost the hard drive and I wasn't able to find the video. So we didn't get it chopped up and edited. Oh, yeah. um, but I had the whole day in the life. Like we were at the roastery, we were bagging labels, we were driving around Ottawa. We had an interview with my parents and everything. And, and seeing that a year later, I was like, man, this is like really cool. So I think a lot of people would really enjoy it. Um, just seeing how it's like being an entrepreneur and trying to inspire people as well. There's a little bit of an inspirational talks in there. Um, but that's something that I want to do within the next year is start up a podcast um 
or sorry, a YouTube channel podcast as well would be really cool. Having like local entrepreneurs, business owners, um, even people that work for large organizations, I think would be really cool. Just kind of getting uh, different insights on certain topics in the business world um, is something that I, I enjoy. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So even this is a really cool opportunity for me. This is my first podcast ever, but um, hey, nice. Yeah. And another thing that I'm actually launching November 15th is a company called Smiley Bar. So it's going to be a granola bar company in Ottawa. Um, coolest thing. Like I am, I, like I said before, this North Brew Coffee was my first product type business. Um, but Smiley Bars, I think is going to be a real big hit. Like we've been working on that for the last two months, like a lot, like it's, it's been taking me a little bit away from North Brew, but at the same time, it's all about balance. Like I mentioned before, I have to manage both at the same time. Um, and I'm going in with one of my best friends that I've known for probably over 10 years now. So, um, that's going to be really cool. We're working long days for that. And like I said, I, I see a lot of potential in it and I think um, that I think that it will be very successful in the end because at the end of the day, if there's nothing that you're allergic to in the actual product that we're selling and we're going to market it in a cool way where people are going to want to try it, then you'll definitely be able to try it out. That's what I think, in my opinion. People are always willing to try it out if there's no barriers of you trying the product. Um, so just trying that out, we're going to get it into retail stores, maybe sign a distribution deal, try and get into some grocery stores. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited for that. That's November 15th. So it's very exciting. And, and then, so I was actually just going to ask at the last thing, like sure. what business did you want to launch? But, uh, now that the viewers and the listeners know what you're going to be launching, I, I just think that there's such a tremendous opportunity there for you to be implementing that James facing media, especially as you start to have maybe two, even three businesses that mm -hmm. are kind of under your belt and yeah. running co-currently it draws extra eyes and attention, but more so than anything, like if people, like if I can see you being a splitting image of your business, then why not take that personality and like the things that you're doing every day, because I know that you are out there on the ground benefiting mm -hmm. those local communities. You're speaking to students about entrepreneurship, things of that nature and help kind of inject those brands or your personality yep. into those brands even more so through media and things that are very forward facing so that your community and the rest of the customer communities can see that. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's exactly why I want to do it. It's like, I, I think there's a huge opportunity there to not only capitalize on it, but also just get the media out there and kind of get the word of mouth going around more of like, uh, kind of the, the razz around the whole entrepreneurship and business type of mindset. I think that it will be a really good hit, but even my public speaking, like people really enjoy, um, like my personality and today I'm speaking at University of Toronto at 1.30 and that's going to be like one of the coolest things to date. I'm super excited for that. Kind of nervous, but at the same time, it's cool. So um, yeah, I think a lot of people really enjoy um, like even I haven't been posting a lot on my social medias about my personal brand, but that's something that I'm kind of learning and developing on my own. Like we said before with the YouTube, I'm always watching different stuff and mm -hmm. trying to see what people do, what people are working on and just kind of looking around, kind of looking out from the outside in. Um, and then hopefully I'll be able to launch a YouTube channel. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, I'm Personal looking forward brand. to that, man. I think you, you'll do really well doing something like that. And tell, tell people a little bit about what you're speaking on to the students. So today at um, University of Toronto, I'm speaking about entrepreneurship in general. Uh, my story, which is I think is a really cool story, very inspirational to people um, that I'm speaking to. These are business students. So these are probably... So I'm 20. Uh, I don't know how old they are, actually, but I would say they're probably older than me if they're in university. It's third year university. Um, so actually, my friends are in third year university, so they're exactly my age. So I remember being in college and sitting in lectures and people coming in and speaking about business and marketing and different types of stuff. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I'm pretty sure that they really enjoy it. Um, and every time after I speak, even before I woke up tonight or, uh, yesterday and today, and I got emails from the students saying like, Oh, we're so excited for you to come in and speak. <laughs> um, and we have a ton of questions. So I'm super excited for that. Um, it's still a little bit crazy for me. I've done a lot of, um, different speaking engagements at my old high school, um, some networking events, um, some entrepreneurship events, and also my college that I was going to be graduating with. So, um, this is by far like, uh, not the coolest in my opinion, but um, probably like the second, second coolest. So. Was the coolest the one that you did at the Scotiabank? Scotia, yeah, yeah, that was like by far, I was so nervous there, but yeah, that was, uh, 
like best to date. So we'll see if I'd be able to match that one day, maybe a TED talk. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> Is yeah, climbing the speaking scale. Well, I mean, that sounds pretty big. 2,500 mm-hmm. people inside of the arena where the Ottawa centers play yep. for anybody who's listening doesn't know that, but um, it was his first ever paid speaking gig. So uh, pretty impressive. You're, you're definitely not afraid of a challenge. <laughs> and speaking is one of those things. Like if you're not a little bit nervous of it, even after like the 10th, 20th try and mm-hmm. like are you even human walking yep. up there like everybody's got to feel a little bit of nerve when you're walking on stage to speak in front of a bunch of people that are expecting something exactly they want to be impacted i was just on the phone with my roommate elliot who started uh helped me start north brew coffee we were on the phone last night and we were talking about how crazy it is that i'm even getting paid to speak at universe like any any type of speaking engagement now i'm getting paid for but before like like i said before two years ago or a year ago even I would have never thought that I'd be able to be in this position to even speak to students because I was never I never even thought that people would want me to come and speak to them but it's just kind of something that I developed over time with my story and everything that I do and the knowledge on entrepreneurship and business in general that it started picking up and I'm getting booked for different things so I think it's like it's surreal to me I still really can't believe it I can't believe I'm even in Toronto right now it's like hey, it's crazy man, you're so, on a wave you're <laughs> on a wave I'm sure there's gonna be many many more times when you're back in Toronto for business and other purposes but uh as the last part in question here what is the coolest thing that you've experienced to this day as a young entrepreneur like you're somebody who's really been paving their own path mm-hmm Uh, What is the coolest or funniest thing maybe that's happened to you as a young entrepreneur? uh, Coolest thing for me was probably the CTV interview. Um, That was really cool. Speaking engagements we already touched on, which was also really cool. But uh, CTV News, it was probably four or five months into the company. um, And the traction that I was able to get off that right downtown was uh, unreal. Like people were, I think it was like 700 people an hour on average on that day when I had the interview. So it was like a crazy, crazy marketing tool that we were able to capitalize on and just get the word of mouth out. Like it was very young at the time, um, but being able to get on a news network in the morning and kind of get asked questions about different stuff about the business, our social aspect and how we're making a difference in our local community was like an awesome thing. Uh, The funniest one was, uh, I've had a few different ones, but this one was kinda kinda funny. Uh, We were downtown, me and my friends shopping, and people recognized me, they're like, oh, you're the coffee guy, and I got recognized like three times that day. It was about like three days later than, or three days after the CTV interview. So I was like, wow, like people are really like, People actually watch the <laughs> news, watch the you know? News, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been recognized a few times, like the coffee guy or like, oh, you're Jane. Like people really know. So I think, I think it's really cool. Just like, um, experiencing that, like getting noticed in public and people really know about the business. Cause it's funny. Like I said, like I would have never thought that people would ever like recognize me or stop me on the street. Say, oh my gosh, like your coffee, your coffee company, North Brew Coffee. Or when I'm talking to people about coffee and they're like, oh, I love North Brew Coffee and they don't know that I'm the owner. That's crazy. Like that's, that's gotta be, that's unreal. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's unreal. Um, and yeah, just like people that I'm talking to say, oh, I've heard of North Brew Coffee before. Like, I love hearing that because me, it's like, wow, like knowing, doing a good job, knowing where we started and where we are now. It's yeah. like, wow, like this is surreal. Like, it's crazy to me. It's still unbelievable. But I know that within the next two to three years, it's going to be like our biggest growth period to date. So I'm looking forward to the future for sure. Well, that, that has to be one of the most interesting. And I think like often heard moments for an entrepreneur is when people acknowledge your product and you had no idea that Mm -hmm. they even drank it in the first place or whatever that may be so it's interesting to hear all the things that you've been through man and i'm excited to continue watching your journey because like i said you're definitely on a wave right now any parting things you want to share with the audience habits um, things that you do on a regular basis whatever that may be even if it's just a tip or a quote uh habits so one thing that i really Uh, stress for any entrepreneur. I should have added this before, but um, making sure that you have a productive schedule. So uh, making sure that you're making time for friends and family because it's easy to get disconnected, especially when you're really passionate and want to build something because you can see the vision, but you're just not there yet. So you want to do everything you can to just jump right in, Mm. but just balance. So like making sure that you're having time for friends, family, if you go to the gym, any physical activity, sports, um, just making sure that there's an equal balance because it's very, very easy to fall into like the trap of just working like some days I'll turn off my phone and just work and I'll realize like, Oh man, it's like 7 PM. I've been working since 7 AM. Like it's, it's very easy to get lost in time. Um, but just making sure that you have balance and, um, yeah, I would say, um, just enjoy it. Like it's crazy. Like even something that I also would recommend is just try and document everything you do. Cause that's something that I'm struggling with. Not, not now I'm trying to document as much as I can, but 
Cause I'm looking back on stuff that I did a year ago and I'm like, wow, I wish I had a videographer there to film that or like yeah. photos and just like, cause you're going to look back on it one day and you're going to be like, this is insane. So I know, I know just like the marketing material and stuff, but at the end of the day, you want those memories cause you always want to remember it. So it's a great tip, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like I think, I don't know if it's Gary Vee who talks about this. Obviously he recommends the documenting yep. thing, but there's been that often referred to thing of Jeff Bezos starting from the garage, building Amazon. Could you imagine mm -hmm. if he had a vide videographer exactly. around that entire time? Everyone would watch that. Oh again. my it's so God. Inspirational. Netflix would have, like, there would already be there two are, seasons yeah, through exactly, a show if he had exactly. had that footage. Like, yeah. man, that would have been another revenue stream from mm -hmm. Amazon. But it's super valuable. You can't underestimate the, the power of media. And like you just spoke about, think about that for small business owners. One tip that you kind of dropped subtly was the public relations component how you got on CTV mm -hmm. and how powerful that ended up being and driving more business um, to your website and ultimately to the stores probably that it ended up seeing your product in over the course of the time. Um, PR, I think, is one of those things that people often don't know or confuse with various types of marketing, but that free PR, when there's a social component to your business or anything that the media might want to share with yep. their audience because it's a value, um, it's something you want to capitalize on. Exactly. Any like news articles. We've had a few news articles written about us on 1310 News, CTV, the interview, the live interview, any type of media outlet interview I'll do. Like I'm, I'm open to any opportunity. That's the thing. I'll never turn down an opportunity because I know that in the end it's going to, one person is at least going to hear it, you know? Um, so that's definitely really important, especially when you're first starting out is just having any opportunity that you get. There's no way that that's going to not give you any type of benefit in my opinion that's what I see but um yeah I think any opportunity just be open to different ideas like we have um one of my friends he was doing a Muay Thai um, national championship I think in Toronto actually like six or seven months ago and he asked for a sponsorship and I'm like I'm in dude like I've never I've never done that before I don't know what's gonna happen but we sponsored it and people saw it on his t-shirt and stuff so like that's a different opportunity but we're still willing to do it because you never know what whenever you never know what's gonna come out of it right so yeah. it doesn't hurt to just try out and just see where it goes it's great advice for marketing and great advice for life man great advice dude it's been a pleasure having you yeah, on thank you very much for having me this oh has been my awesome. pleasure james and thank you for everything that you do in the community in ottawa and elsewhere like you know coming from ottawa i really appreciate that i see you at the food banks and different things getting there not only through your checks and the money that you're donating but in person and getting on the ground so really appreciate you i think you're setting a model example for a lot of up and coming entrepreneurs and just people from that area um and yeah i really appreciate you coming on while you're in toronto dude thank you very much that's it. We're done here. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Fans First podcast today, people. If you enjoyed the episode, love the guest, or learned something new, please tell us. Subscribe and leave a review if you can, or tag us in a story on Instagram with the hashtag FansFirst so more people can find the podcast. If you want to follow James or reach out to him to tell him how much you appreciated this episode, you can find him on Instagram, it's at James Rankin with two N's. So that's James, J-A-M-E-S, Rankin, R-A-N-K-I-N-N. You'll see it in the episode. And you can always find me by searching Scott Bertie on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. This podcast is made possible by TrueFan, and believe me, I'm extremely grateful to be the beneficiary of this company podcast. Look up T-R-U-F-A-N on social media or the internet nearest you, and to learn more about our web platform and services. We finished 2019 by actually acquiring a secondary technology, and let me tell you, our customers are telling us that there's some data sources on there they're not finding anywhere else. So if you want to find out what those are for yourself, hey, only one way to find out, just hit me up. Uh, if you have any questions regarding today's show or recommendations for future episodes, please hit me up on Instagram, as I just mentioned, or send a personalized connection request on LinkedIn. Uh, always get back to people that include something thoughtful there. So hopefully I hear from you and otherwise come back for more again soon. Later, folks.